Welcome to the On Mindset Podcast with Sean Paul Pangalos. So, Daniel, uh, Daniel G, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we talked and we connected last week, and we decided for you to come to the show. We have uh, been speaking, and you have a product launch, a service, new service that you are going to launch at the end of uh, the month. We're going to talk about that. But also, I wanted to expand with you a bit about mindsets, about working with clients, talk also about the trends and patterns that we're seeing in today, you know, in society and in business for what's going on with people, especially after the pandemic, what's your observation and what do you believe, what do you believe that is the the, the solution or the way in order to improve and, and make progress? So starting straight off the bat, what is your observation? What you've seen has happened after the pandemic in terms of the discussion that everybody's talking about mental health, it's something that's very aware. What is your take on the situation? And what have you seen in terms of patterns or trends going on with mindset and people, you know, just struggling? And what's your opinion on on, on what you're seeing and what you're observing with your clients and, and people in general? Give me, tell me a bit about that. So, hi, Sean Paul. First of all, thanks for having me. Um, nice to be here. Um, I don't know much about the trends. I'm not the follower of trends uh, because trends are very short living and uh, they change all the time. And if you live long enough on this planet, you know that trends is not it's not important really. Because take the example of coffee. One year they say coffee is very healthy, and three years later they say coffee is pure poison. Stop drinking, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. At a certain age, you get tired of all these trends, you know. But for me, I think mental health has become a key word. And everybody's talking about it, but nobody really, or not, not enough people really take the time to think about what mental health really means. Um, for me, I think mental health is something that we, first of all, are responsible for ourselves i have to take care of my brain of my mind of my mindset of my emotional state as well as i have to take care of my body and um blaming society or blaming a so-called pandemic or whatever it's i don't know if it's the right way to go what i think is positive that Due to the pandemic, the topic has risen. So it's good we talk about mental health. It's good, especially we talk about mental health as men, because uh, society also always assume that we men, we have no problems. And if we have, we, we drink too much or we, we don't talk about it. But uh, I observe amongst my clients huge huge issues because of that lack of communication, because of that lack of openness that we can say as men, listen, I'm not doing well. I'm unhappy. I'm sad. I'm depressed. I hate my job. I hate my life. I hate my wife. I hate my family. Don't say you hate your kids. Nobody can say that. But what if it's the case? With whom do you talk about that? With nobody. So. 
you bury this inside of you and then you get kind of mentally ill. Now, not in a psychiatric way, but you're not healthy in your mind, which then has, as we both know, huge consequences in your life. Um, yeah, so mental health is important. It was important before the pandemic, and but it, it has become less a taboo. Let's call it like that. That's that's the, the the trend I was talking about. Yes, it's it's about you know the openness that people are, you know, stepping up and talking about it openly without shame or without the fear of consequences. So, so from that perspective, I do think it's it's positive. But if you like talking about what the principles are, and regardless of the new trend or the new fashion or what's you know less taboo. What what are the principles behind you were talking about men and not feeling happy with their lives, with their jobs, with you know the decisions they made? What 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 do you believe is, is the common topic that you know connects uh, all this unhappiness among men? Is, is there something, or it's a number of things, or there's an underlying issue behind all the symptoms that we're experiencing and people are feeling? What 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 what's your take on that? What's going on there? I think so. There are multiple reasons, but maybe you could break it down to: um, we are not allowed to not feel well. We are not allowed um, to to cry. We are not allowed to to not be the provider. We cannot stand up in society and say, "I don't want to provide anymore. I need time for myself." Is that is that self-imposed or is it society or it's the status quo that does well, not allow you? We make society. We create society as it is. So it's our fault. It's self-imposed in a way. And But the good thing is we have the liberty to, to change it. We created that kind of society. We have the liberty to, to, change, to change it. And it starts with ourselves and it starts with our environment. So... Um, I guess the common thing is that uh, what I always say in my posts, in my in my coachings, I preach it loudly and boldly. It's talk, just talk to people, talk to other men, talk to your wife, hug your wife, cry in her arms. That's nothing bad about that. Just talk, for God's sake, come up and talk to people, and especially. Um, Talk to other men that maybe have had the experience to go through a, a, a mental instability, let's call it like that, and now are happy and they know how to do it. They know, and you can talk to every man who is, has a happy life now and hasn't before. The way to break that is to talk, to communicate. So I think that's the main reason that we don't talk. Because we don't want to be the pussy in 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 the eye of other men, and especially, but we don't say that we don't want to seem weak in the eye of women, because we have to be the strong Terminator Tarzan guy. We think, even though women tell us all the time, no, it's not true. That's not we want. We don't want big muscles. We want your heart. That's what women tell us, right? But we still think we have to be a. But no, I mean, it's good to be strong. It's good that women 
feel safe in our presence, but that's not the only thing. And to become real and happy and fulfilled, you have to let your stuck things out. Okay, you're talking about strength, you're talking about communication. Is it that we could be strong in the wrong areas? For example, we make sure that we perceive to be strong from the outside, in appearance, in confidence, but maybe the foundations inside of us are not that strong and that's what's working and we need to reverse the process or it, it, it's something else from, from your approach and your experience? I think it's the other way around. I think we're basically we're strong beings because the male has his strengths, right? Has his qualities and his weakness and his strength. And we know what we can do and we know what we can't do. That's the biggest quality of a man. We're logic. We know I can do this, I can't do this. I'm good in this, I'm not good in that. I don't think that's the problem. I think we have to allow ourselves to, to live our weaknesses. That doesn't make us less strong. Uh, I'll give you an example. When, when I enter a room on a business meeting or a business event or so, all men suited, only male, men exclusively, don't ask me why, that's another topic. Um, and I pretend to be strong. The other man, the other gentleman in the room, they perceive that. They can sense that I'm only pretending. But they sense the pretending. Strong. Okay. Yeah. But if I'm truly strong from the bottom, then you enter the room, you own the room, you don't need to talk. Everybody's looking at you. Oh, there's a man coming. So, and you don't build that strength on top of, of a weakness. So if we were weak below, there is no strength on top. It's the other way around. We are weak, we're strong on the bottom, but we got weak on the top. Because, and especially these past years, uh, we're not allowed to be men anymore. You know, we're not allowed to swear, we're not allowed to do this, we're not allowed to hit someone, we're not allowed to talk what you think, etc., etc., etc. So we have we have been taken away that that animalistic male side. We're not allowed to be male anymore. We have a saying in Swiss German is as soon as you get the deep voice, you're a macho. You don't need to do anything, you just become a man and, and it's wrong. So we need, I think we need to, to reverse that process a little bit. It has been like a pendula, you know? Okay. It was good, the movement went to the side of the women to make them strong in society. But now it, it needs to get back a little bit. So it's okay. balanced again, you know? Well, well, cause, okay, there's two lectures I'm thinking here. One, I get the, 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 the process of being strong inside. And, and, you know, once you embrace that strength, you don't need to do anything. It just expresses from you. And, and that's where the strength is. And not necessarily, that does, doesn't necessarily mean you have to act strong. Hey, you can feel strong inside and you can cry or you can feel vulnerable. That's interesting. When you say that we are not allowed to be men, something rings inside of me that connects to uh, victimhood or complaints or, or, or putting the problem outside. Does it have to do with that or has nothing to do with that and it's just being aware of what's happening? 
I think being aware of what's happening uh, in society. Um, I mean, if if everybody around you tells you this is wrong, what you're doing, you don't do it anymore. You stop it. Uh, if your mother is telling you that you're not allowed to do this, you stop it because it's your mother, because you're a boy and you listen to your mother. And if your father in these days is doing it already, you take that as an example and you think this is normal. But that takes away an important part of, of being a man. And it's observable, especially in Europe. I don't know about America that much, but in Europe it's observable when young men make stupid things. They're not allowed to do that anymore. When we were young, we did a lot of stupid things. And we were patted on the hand and said, ooh, this was bad, don't do that anymore. Now, it's not allowed, but it's, and that has been scientifically proven, it's very important for a man to do stupid things in order to become a man, to test our strength. You know as, as well as me, in puberty, our testosterone goes crazy. We go mad, we go crazy. All we can think is muscles and sex. If we see a woman all in our heads like, right? This is a young man, but this is normal. This is a normal process of becoming a man. Nowadays, you're not allowed to do that anymore. So the, man, the evolution of the man from the boy to the man is disturbed. I don't know who did that, I don't want to blame anyone. We do society. But I think this is a real problem. So that's what I mean with we're not allowed to be men anymore. Okay. Okay. Certainly. One of the things, if some, some men or, or even women or people are listening to this, one of the things that is important is for them to realize and be aware of what's going on inside of them in relation to the, these things that we're talking Yes. If people can relate. And for me, you know, from, from a coaching and personal development perspective, I think that one of the biggest qualities that somebody can develop is the ability to be self-aware. Yes. Generates awareness and consciousness. How, how do you uh, approach self-awareness with yourself and your clients? And how do you develop it? So now we're coming a little bit towards my, my new program. So I'll my approach is through the emotion. Because uh, scientifically speaking, the emotion is the highest frequency, the highest energy a human being can emit. We're all, it's electricity, everything works with electricity, right? So a bad emotion is a low frequency, a higher emotion is a high frequency but it, it's all due to electricity. It's all due to energy. So if we have good emotions, I mean, I don't mean with good emotions, um, positive emotions or negative emotions, but healthy emotions. If we are aware of our emotions and we don't fight them, we men, especially the men from my generations, we do that. We don't. What, 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 are, what, what are healthy emotions? Define healthy emotions beside feeling pressure versus pain. No, no, no. A healthy emotion can be pain. What okay. I mean is... Explain that? Imagine that somebody is like, what are you talking about, Daniel? Okay. I try to explain. So um, a healthy emotion is the, an emotion you accept to be there. And you go through it and you live that emotion. 
that is a healthy emotion because if you live it, if you accept it, then it will last for the time being and it will vanish. And that's a healthy emotion. On the contrary, on the other hand, if you push down your emotions, positive or negative emotions, that's not healthy. And that's what makes you weak. And that's what makes you unaware of yourself. Why? Because having emotions is a trait of a human being. It comes with the package, right? <laughs> As I see it, we are higher consciousness. And we have a body to make this journey in this three-dimensional binary world, right? So, but with this vessel, which we call body, comes thoughts, comes emotions, comes ego, comes sex, comes pain, comes all the whole package. Now, who are we to accept some traits of this package and others not? It's the deal. The deal is, here you go, there is your vessel, you have emotions, you have thoughts, you have all of it. Deal with it. And what we men do very often is we don't want to deal with it. So we, but the emotion is still there, we just suppress it. And that's an unhealthy emotion. Healthy is, if you feel like crying, then cry. That's a healthy emotion. Even if you feel crappy, but it's the way it is. I have I have the belief, and this is my belief, and I'm just curious to see if, if you share it or you, you disagree with it, that one of the main problems with that is that people, and Eva, I'm going to include women too, people in, in society, we have become obsessed with pursuing pleasure and avoiding pain at all costs. So we cannot make the distinction of embracing negative emotions of part of the deal because we just do not want to experience anything that is uncomfortable, anything that makes us uh, feel hurtful inside, any situation and any, any circumstances. And we have become binary in that feeling. When we make decisions, we believe that it's what's going to give me pleasure and what's going to be good and what is it that I want to avoid. And to, to add to that, we have bought, when I say we, I don't, I don't say myself, but if we're talking about society and we're society as a whole, as a society, we have lost the awareness to even distinguish that the pain and the pleasure that we seek is almost always external from us. So it's a lose, lose situation, no matter what you do. And the cost of being conditioned, of operating that way, is you lose sense of <laughs> yourself, you lose awareness of the whole perspective. And for me, you, you, you lose control. You lose, you lose control of yourself. You become a slave. Would you, would you agree with that? Would you disagree? Would you add something to it? What, what's your take, Daniel? I absolutely agree with that. Um, the seek of pleasure in the outside doesn't lead to a healthy state. On the contrary, as you say, I'm totally with you on this. Um, what, but I discovered that also I was the same. I, I saw uh, pleasure on the outside. I saw solutions in the outside. And when I couldn't find one, I started drinking a lot, too much for too many years. And I had to stop this first in order to become healthy again. Pain in the ass, don't do that. 
<coughs> but anyway, the, the thing is, everything, every solution is inside of us. And to get to that state that we all seek, which is happiness, we all seek happiness. That's every human being wants to be happy in a way or in another. So in that consuming society that happiness comes with a Porsche, comes with a big TV, comes with a, a woman every night, different woman every night, of course, et cetera, et cetera. That uh, quest is, is, is futile because that doesn't make happy. There's an old saying, money doesn't make happy. It's true. It helps, but it's not the cause of happiness, right? And I go even a step further. You only can make money if you're happy. Let that sink in a little bit. Because if you're in a happy state... What, what's, what's, your, what's your phrase? Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. if you're in a happy state, you're positive. And if you're positive, your environment is positive. We go now a little bit quantum mechanics, but that's the way it is. And it has been proven. That's not some esoteric BS or so. It's measurable. Um, so when you go out and seek business or seek to make money or whatever, you find people that are in the same state that you are in a similar state. So if you're happy, you will find happy people. You will find happy business partners and you will do happy business with them. Wow. But if you're negative, you say, everybody's going to cheat me and the world is a very bad place and money stinks and I stink and you stink. Guess what happens in your life? Your life's going to suck big time. So happiness is always within. I, I think it was Buddha, if that's true, saying happiness, there's no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. And if your basic necessities are met, like you have clean water, you have something to eat, and you have a safe place to sleep, it's entirely up to you. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Up to you. It's a decision. So if you want to be happy, you will become happy. But, and that's the thing, you will have to go through pain. Okay. And not the pain that society inflicts on you, but the pain you inflicted during your lifetime until this moment on yourself. And that's what we refuse to do as a society. And as you say, we seek that happiness on the outside, but it's in there. And you have to dig through the pain, through the crap. You have to dig it all out. It's painful, but it's never as painful as the year-long pain you inflicted on yourself by refusing to go through that pain. You stack your pain up and up. Exactly. We, we agree. Uh, for me, happiness is a decision. Uh, and, you know, that does not mean everything is working perfectly all the time. Quite the opposite. But, you know, if, if you make it the decision to be happy, you, got, you can go through hell and, and, and deep inside say, it's part of the process and I'm happy. Today, you know, and it's your, your outlook. I think it has to do with, with the attitude. What, what would you say to somebody that's listening to this and say, Daniel, but... Okay, I, I get it, but it's just not comfortable. It's not fun to go through that. Why on earth would I put myself through that? What would you tell a person that, that says that? So nobody who ever walked on this planet as a human being said life 
is comfortable. When you're in your mother's womb, that's the only comfortable time in life. If you want to be comfortable, and that's the paradox on, you have to go through the uncomfortable. Because happiness doesn't mean that you walk around like a smiling idiot all the time. No. Happiness, true happiness means that you are able to manage life in a state of, all right, challenge, instead of a, of a state of, oh my God, what's happening to me again? So my life is happy. I have my challenges. I have spent two years building up this coaching business and this coaching program. It took me two freaking years. Do you think I was happy all the time? No. I was many times close to giving in. I was many times uh, close to blaming all around me, all the world, for my pain, etc., etc., as a regular human being. But true happiness is you know why you're doing this, because you want to have a good life and a happy life. And happiness means to go through every situation that life presents to you in a state of, okay, let's do this. That's happiness. Okay, good. But good, we, good. we also think, and we have a weird definition of happiness in these days, that means you have to be smiling all the time. That's not true happiness. Why it, can, it cannot be because the world as such is not exclusively a happy place. It's always both. We live in a binary world. So all the time happiness not going to happen. Not on this world. That that alone, that alone, if 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 we could both get across this, you know, and 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 the best place to 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 actually show examples of this, personally, I think, is nature. When you look at plants and when you look at trees, they're not always in full bloom. They are not always happy flowers. They go through winter and they go through autumn, and almost they 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 seem that they're dying, but then the cycle repeats and they start growing again. It's part of the process. I believe that we operate the same way. And it's delusional to think that, you know, we have to be happy flowers all the time. And, and that's our standard, our baseline. And that's what we achieve. Interesting. Kind of. Kind of. Your, your comparison lacks, is a bit flawed because a plant or an animal doesn't ask the question. They just are. If I look at my cat, he's a cat, period. He doesn't ask himself if he's happy or not. As long as you pet him and you give him food and he has mice to chase and a nice way to go outside, he's a cat, period. The difference between animal and plants and ourselves is we can ask the question. And that's what causes all the problems. <laughs> if we wouldn't be able to ask questions, we wouldn't have any problems. So it's it's that consciousness of being able to ask questions and self-reflect, but at the same time, that's the problem. Yes. That we, we is it that we're not using that properly? What 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 do you believe about that? No, it's the definition of being a human being. You came to this world to experience. If you see my signature on LinkedIn, it says, "We are the universe experiencing itself." through infinite point of view. We choose as soul, higher consciousness, energy, whatever you want to call it, we choose to come here. 
to experience that with a mind, with the consciousness, with the brain, with a huge fucking brain. That's us. That's what we want. That's why we come here as human beings. So if you cut that, you're not a human being anymore. You're an animal. Nothing against animals. I love them. They're happy by definition. They're just happy. They're animals. They don't ask the question. But we ask the question. As soon as we perceive ourselves in the mirror as child, I think it's around three or four years. I don't know. Oh, that's me. Bam. Then the ego kicks in and then the whole journey starts. <laughs> what is your personal driver in life? What keeps you going? What, what do you pursue? What do you seek? I know for a fact that we are way more than um, some working slaves. Let's call it like that. We're made way more than just going, working all our lives, paying bills and taxes and then die. That's what a lot of people do these days for a long time already. And I know for a fact that we are way more. I, I went through some mystic experience. I went through some hilarious experiences. And my mission is to get that idea a little bit more into the world that we are the creators of our lives. We are the true divine powerful beings that we kind of sense somewhere that we are still, but we have forgotten it. And my job is to remind ourselves of that. And do you think that everybody, every single person on earth should remind ourselves of that? Or maybe yes. this a journey for some and for others, they're just happy at that level? You know, um, that's nothing to do with happiness as a such that has to do with consciousness, to be aware of your powers, of your true powers. We can basically, with our mind, with our brain, with our emotions and thoughts, we can snap our fingers and create things. No other being on that planet can do that. Only we. But we don't. Because we have been told to shut up, to do our jobs, and to pay the bills, and then to lay down and die. Tough words, but that's the way it goes in our society these days. And that has to stop. If we want to evolve to the next level of human beings, of humanity, we have to wake up. We have to be aware of our true powers. And to answer your question, not this is not for everybody, of course not. But it's enough if 20% of all the people do that live a life consciously that's going to change the whole world it only in quotes only needs 20 percent. the rest will follow automatically <laughs> but it's still a lot of people <laughs> it, is, it is you talk, you talked about the mind and something that that fascinates me is mindset uh and i hear it all the time every time that you see on TV, newspaper interviews, and you talk about successful people or people who have achieved things in life, regardless of what success means to, to anybody. Every time that they ask them, what are the keys? What's you know the secret? What made you achieve those results? 
you, you, it seems to be, there seems to be a consensus around, well, yes, it's hard work, it's discipline, you know, grind, hustle, blah, blah, blah. But it's mental toughness. It's mindset. It's the mentality. And you, you see this in athletes, you see this in sports players. And I'm always fascinated because these people, they are aware that mindset is important, but they're not able, maybe, or not all of them are able to explain what mindset is and what is it about mindset that is so important. So can you answer those questions for you? What's the definition of mindset? And if you believe it's the most important thing in, in, in developing, you know, this, this consciousness and, and, and the miracles of life and everything, what, what's your take on that? Um, I think it's not the most important thing. Um, mindset is the top layer. <clears throat> if, for example, someone tries to change the mindset, but it's not changing, it's not working, somehow, you can try through meditation, through affirmation, through whatnot to change your mindset. But if it's not working, there is an underlying problem. Okay. Um, that can be inflicted by your parents. Uh, if, for example, super famous example, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by uh, Robert Kiyosaki, right? His true dad, his real dad was a, a government employee, um, had never money, worked his ass off all his life and didn't have money. And the father of the friend was an entrepreneur who had a mindset of entrepreneurship. But and I experienced that myself because I tried to change my mindset first and it didn't work. I made the same mistakes. I run into the same hurdles, the same obstacles, the same blockages. So I had to dig deeper. And when people talk about mindset, if you're interviewing me and it's about business and it's about uh, positive and everything, I, of course, I say, yeah, it's about mindset. But that's just the, the, the key word for everything that goes beneath. In order to be able to have such a mind, mindset, you have to be, as we said before, you have to be strong beneath. You have to be, some are born like that, and some have to work hard on that. But I think the mindset is, as I said, the top layer. Beneath is your strength. You still have to go through that pain. What's the label that you would put to that level below mindset? Self-awareness, self-consciousness. So, and you, men you mentioned also the parents, something the parents did to you. No, they, they didn't do things. They just, the way they are, and they bring you up, so you have these values. That's it. So you go through life with the same values if you don't question them, or if you don't dig through them to get your own values. And is in this layer where trauma happens? I guess so. Now, I'm, I'm not a, a therapist. I'm a coach. Um, I'm educating myself to become a therapist, but I'm not yet. So I don't want to, you know, uh, no, not go into this. But there are three possible things. Either it's epigenetic or it's systemic or it's a trauma. A trauma. These are the three reasons that hinders you to change your mindset. That's why I'm saying the top layer is mindset. But again, I'm still learning that. I'm reading books. My brain is exploding. And I'm not the expert on that. Still, 
just a coach for the moment. <laughs> Good. So one I'm not going to go into trauma. I'm, I'm going to make ask you one more question. Maybe you don't answer. I always ask this question because I'm fascinated about this, trying to connect the dots and you know see, see patterns and things. Do you believe that somebody, in order to generate that self-awareness and to advance and, and talk about everything that we've done and that we, we, we talked about today, must have have they had to learn to overcome this layer of self-awareness if they have trauma had is it a must to have experienced those negative things in life in order to go deep inside and then bounce back or it's not necessary what's your approach on that that's a big huge question it's it's a huge question that's why i always ask it my question is do you need to be to have experienced trauma in order to be successful or to be self-aware? Yes or no? I hope not. That's the hope. Everybody but, answers the same thing. But it shows that the most wise people, self-aware people, successful people have all gone through some stuff. Now, what's the definition of trauma? If your father tells you all the time that you're worthless, that's a trauma, right? Um, if I tell myself as a grown-up that I'm worthless, that's a trauma too that I have inflicted on myself. So what's a trauma? Where does it start? Where does it end? For me, a very basic definition is hitting rock bottom. Okay. Yes, think, and the know, answer it's, is it's yes. That point in, in that point in life where it's like, oof, yeah. I, I, I feel I can't. Maybe you can always go further and hit rock bottom, but it's those moments where you believe if something doesn't change, it's game over. Okay, so I, I'd say, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> okay. there, are exceptions, there are exceptions to this rule, uh, like uh, my coach and mentor, he had some traumas, but he, he was never totally rock bottom like i was but still he's very big man very conscious man excellent coach and mentor i'm very fortunate to have him but i think for most of us yes because we're we're stubborn stupid bastards and we need that hit in the stomach to wake up most of us unfortunately me included of course <laughs> So back to your initial remark about men and young men, we need to do stupid things when you're young in order to perhaps, you know, <laughs> accelerate the, the, the rock bottom part, maybe, you know. Mm. Yeah, but wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, to do stupid, man, stupid things as a young man is not equal to hit rock bottom. And you cannot accelerate things or you cannot hit rock bottom on purpose, consciously. That doesn't work like that. So your, your flawed logic, forgive me, is, okay, I have to hit rock bottom in order to be successful and happy. So what do I have to do to hit rock bottom? No, it's not going to work like that. No. Be happy if you don't hit rock bottom because it's horrible. It's it's it. You you don't wish that to to your worst enemy. That's no. It's flawed. Your logic is flawed. 
let's let's talk about your program all right you um, you work you work with people who experience these things as from from a coach perspective so i i work with men basically um and until now i worked with men who had addiction problems um basically alcohol because that was my problem but also other addiction that can be too much porn too much sports too much working and but with the time i figured that this is only a symptom um so it's one approach to stop poisoning yourself in order to get your mind to get the clouds away from your mind and then you can start work on yourself there is another approach that says start working on yourself and the symptom will vanish right so i figured okay if this symptom and other symptoms are all because of something that lies beneath let's go and have a look beneath that's how i i save me in the long term i save myself in the long term i have a method that makes you stop drinking in 30 days if you do what i say you follow the rules in 30 days you're done you never touch the bottle again but to make it sustainable you have to be interested in what why did i start drinking at the first place right so i developed the program as i said uh, and it's called understand integrate own what does that mean it means understand your story because the solution is always in your story not on the outside inside And then integrate your emotions. So try to lift some emotions. What I usually do is I provoke emotions in my customers, or they do it themselves. I tell them, listen, um, pick some music that makes you cry or that makes you sad. And then sit there and listen and wait until you cry. And then you will discover, but that's not that bad after all. Or uh, one customer of mine at the moment, he's always very angry. But he doesn't allow himself to be angry. So, of course, I had to check first if he's allow himself to be angry. Does he kill the whole family or what's going to happen? So, but then I discovered, okay, he's a peaceful man. Let's try this. And then he allows himself to get angry at his wife, at his children. Say, I'm angry. I am angry now. And that's the healing process because then you, th you see, okay, Having emotions, allowing myself to go through these emotions, make them healthy emotions, as I said before, is the second step. And then the third step is own your emotional competence. You discovered now, okay, emotions are nothing bad to have. Let's manage them. Because you're not, you cannot walk around angry all the time, especially if you're an executive. You have to be kind of a leader and calm and reserved a little bit and all that so how do i manage now this whole new stack of emotions that i have it's beautiful i'm crying i'm angry i'm laughing pissing myself off whatever how do i manage all that and that's the third part own your emotional competence and does the owning is that the part where people develop their self-confidence and the security is, is yes. that the part or is yes. it a, a different process so that the Becoming self-aware starts in the in the second part of, already, because you're becoming aware of your emotions, and therefore you get self-awareness. Because you say, "Okay, that's an emotion of mine. I have that very often. Oh, that's another one. Oh, look here, another one." So 
it opens your book. And by owning all this, the competence, getting competent in your emotional balance, in your emotional uh, management, makes you become self-confident and even more self-aware. And that's then the point you enter a room, you don't have to shout, you don't have to cry, you don't have to make a spectacle. People are noticing you and say, oh, there's a real man coming. In. Let's give him a seat. Let's listen to what he has to say. That's that part. And it's three steps, and usually it goes over 12 weeks or so. And, and do you exclusively work with clients who have addictions or regular people no, who want to be no, more self-aware? Not necessarily. I mean, I work with men who who want to go, uh, who, who are aware that they cannot go on like that. I have, breaks my heart, a ton of customers who are sitting in their cars, crying silently before entering their home and telling, smiling their family that everything is fine. But it's not. And they're crying inside and they're, they're breaking apart inside. And they know if they continue like that, either the wife will leave them, they will lose their job, they will lose their life, or even worse. And that's the kind of man they're normally reaching out and say, hey, listen, then I hear you work with emotions. Help. But you can come also earlier. I prefer if you come earlier because if you're if the water is at your neck, it's usually quite urgent. So to work peacefully and calmly and with time, because everything needs time, please don't wait that long. <laughs> that's right. That's when you tell them you should have called me sooner. <laughs> no, I don't say it because that that's the blaming them. And blame is not a good advice. Never. Interesting, interesting. Anything else that you would like to add to this conversation that you believe is important for people listening? Any aspects of your, your program or, or your approach working with men that we haven't discussed that you believe is important as a message? I think it's important to know that um, we men are allowed, finally allowed to have emotions and to live them openly. There's nothing wrong in that. There's nothing bad in that. And even if society still thinks that's weird, it's not. It's the next level of uh, being a man. We have been men. I mean, in the Stone Age, it was good to not cry along all day long because you had to provide. And you had to be the strong man, fighting animals, protecting your kids, etc. But we're not in the Stone Age anymore. So please allow yourself to evolve. Allow yourself to have all these feelings. You're not a bad man because of that. On the contrary. Good, good, good. Excellent, excellent. I always like to finish off the interviews with one question. So it's your turn now to answer. And a lot of people ask, oh, if you were to recommend a book, but my approach is a bit different. If you were to write a book that you believe everybody in humanity must read, what would that book be? And what would your message be with that book? It doesn't exist because there is no book that everybody should read because everybody is different. We're, we have 8 billion histories, 8 billion stories. Everybody is so different. There is no book for everybody. Write your own book. Tell your story. Come out with it. 
your story is beautiful. Every single story is beautiful. Tell it. That's the book you should read. Your own. So that's never heard that answer before. It's certainly out of the box answer. So instead of reading one book, you believe that everybody should be able to write their own book? To read their own book. Read their own book. Yeah. Read your story. Read your book. You're going to be very wise once you've finished. Wow. Like that. I like that. Me too. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Daniel, where can people find you? Um, so you can find me at danielg.online. Uh, the website is going to be live next Monday. Um, but there's still, you can uh, hit the button and then enter your email and you get a, a reminder. Or for people struggling with alcohol, you can hit quitthebottle.com. Quitthebottle.com, okay. Okay, um, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. I guess you will publish the link to my profile. Yes. That's my main platform. That's where I am. That's where you can DM me, you can send me a message. You can find me on TikTok too. Um, then we have some fun together because TikTok, TikTok is a funny platform. And I have a YouTube channel too, uh, but that's I didn't do anything lately. No time. But LinkedIn is the main platform you, you're going to find me. Excellent. Yeah, that's where I got to match and to meet you. And it's where I enjoy your content. I'll check you out on TikTok too. Daniel, thank you so much for, for being a guest in this podcast. Uh, the, the, the episode will come out shortly. And good luck on your program launch. And thank you for being here once again. Thank, thank you, you very much, Sean Paul, for having me. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.